bringing you the lyrical stylings of John and Johnny. I'll talk about that. Is that what this is? Lyrical, lyrical. stylings? Well, we're, we're not really like, rapping. It's like freestyle rapping. <laughs> I would like to see you do that. A rap battle? Who do you think would win in a rap battle between me oh, and you? Oh, you would. You're quicker. But you have, you have a songwriting background, though, so you could probably run the words better. Your brain gets to, gets to things faster than mine. Really? As evidenced by the fact that I couldn't remember Kaiser last episode. Yeah, and that's that's kind of your forte. And I'm a history the, teacher. Yeah, yeah your history teacher. It's not that I don't know it. There were a lot just, of people shouting at their you at saw their my phones. Wife, you saw my wife's Instagram yeah, post, right? Yeah, so she was funny. like, "I'm yelling, Kaiser, right?" And the now. background, the background audio was the "Nothing Gonna Break My Stride." <laughs> I got to keep on moving song. And the thing was, it was like, okay, you know, you're yelling at us like five days ago. Yeah, you know, like it's already happened. Well, yeah, and that happened. It, it bit us too because people, mm. some people that I know that were Titans fans were having PTSD. They said we were making them relive the loss over and over. Because we were again. so hopeful. Yeah, we were like, Titans yeah. are gonna do it. Yeah, that was a very disappointing game. Do you think that the coaches went awry by stopping the run? They just they went away from the run, or do you think it's, it wasn't I think working? It very wasn't well. working, and then we got behind. You can't run when you're behind, and then Tannehill was looks exposed. And it's just Mahomes is too good. They they kept scoring points on us. We couldn't. It yeah, changed the whole was, game plan. He was unbelievable. He's the Michael Jordan of football today. I mean, he is. He's he's uh, he's that guy that has a different skill set than the other players. He's like a Michael Jordan of football, but he does not look like it. He's not look like Michael Jordan. No, and he his looks voice, like a little kid. Yeah, and his voice is like a little kid too. Yeah. He still seems like yeah, he's gonna say, Hey Johnny, let's go play football in the yeah. backyard. I just won the MVP. Is it cool if I drink from the hose? You're like, All right, buddy, <laughs> sure. It's fine. Be careful out there. It's just very I don't know. It uh, it, it, it gives you hope, Johnny. You know, you used to be baby faced like that, I remember. I um, still am under this goatee. That's why I don't yeah. ever shave it. So I those old photos of you that I see. I, we saw some mm. old photos of you that you had that because you got a very round face. Oh well, thank you. And uh, so when there's no facial hair there, it's just very like boom. I've had facial hair since the day I got married. Basically, that's yeah. when I started growing it. Yeah, you got to. I shape this thing like a topiary. It gives the illusion <laughs> of a chin. It's wonderful. <laughs> you look at me and go, "I bet that guy has a chin." You're wrong, but but you'd bet on it. You so, bet that I had a chin. So you know, since I do, since I have no hair anymore. Yeah. So I use the clippers. Yeah. But the clippers this whole time have, I have to plug them up in the other side of the bathroom. Oh, right. So I have an extension cord and I step into the shower to do it. Wait a minute. You're stepping into the shower with an extension it's cord? It's not on. Did this go along with the drinking in the shower? Because <laughs> there's no water running when I do it. It's just, just to catch it. And then, and then I put it up and I turn the shower on it. And it you don't do everything. it in the sink and then just wash the hair down the Shoot, sink. You can of, see what you're doing better. I have a mirror in the shower. Oh, one of those fogless Shower mirrors. Yeah. yeah, although it's lost its foglessness. Yeah, I know they all fog ago. up. Then you got to yeah. put the water on the foglessness. I figured out if it. I use like my uh, body wash and I rub it in, it gets rid of the foglessness. Wait, what? Yeah, for temporarily. You're scrubbing down the mirror now? Well, not scrubbing it. I'm t- getting rid How of the fog. How did you discover that? You know, I bet if I put body wash on this well, mirror. Well, I'd wipe it with my hand, and then one day I wiped my hand, and I had body wash on it, and it kind of like, oh, I can see now for a while. <sighs> it's like uh, Johnny, Mr. I am the it's like Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Now, body wash mirror. I'm not sure that was in the endorsement, but that's the kind of level of detail you can expect. I've researched on a whole other level. This is something. People understand. No, but anyway, back to Mahomes. You were talking earlier about how if you ever had a book about uh, an NFL quarterback, because you've gotten to write for some other athletes. You said if you ever got to to co-write a book with an NFL quarterback, what would you call it? I would call it intentional grounding. Intentional grounding. (laughs) You'd have to get them on board with this idea, too. Oh, yeah. The idea is being quite grounded in Christ. I find that the, the the thing people are most when they, when they go to write a book they're they're least confident in the title and if they yeah. are confident in the title it's rarely a good thing. Well, that's the elevator pitch anyway. It includes this zippy title, right? And a log line. If it was a movie, it's a log line. Describe this in a in a yeah. sentence or two. And um, yeah, I don't know. Intentional grounding. It, so it sounds yeah, but it's a negative thing. Well. So people think being grounded is a negative thing too right. in Christ. I mean, John, you got to know you're intentionally it's, grounded, right? I'm intentionally and doing just this. like <laughs> just like the Bible <laughs> says, you lose ten yards and a down, right? Unless you're outside the tackle box. I mean, it's all right there in Scripture, right? And the tackle box, of course, is spiritually uh, the thing you go fishing with. Wait, no, it's the it's the parameters, the man made parameters around your life. Sometimes you got to get out of that tackle box. Mm. Mm. I don't know what you do. What you should do is throw it out of bounds whenever you're about to get sacked. You want to make sure there's a receiver nearby right. to receive an what eligible God's given receiver. you. An eligible receiver of the gospel. Right. Sometimes you need to name a new eligible receiver before the play starts. Sometimes you get like one of those big fat linemen. He goes downfield. That's a penalty. That's a penalty. You can't do that unless you named him beforehand. Right. 
And you, sometimes you got to name the problem. You got to name the problem beforehand and send it downfield before you go throwing the ball to it. And if you can't, hit the ground with it. Wait. And, hit your knees. Yeah. Wait. I don't know. And the quarterback's already gone. He's like, I'm moving on. <laughs> uh, there's another guy at Harvest <laughs> House that wants to write this book. <laughs> That's when I lost the deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I need to take you on the pitch meeting. Yeah. Be very, I neat. like it. Being grounded. Well, that's a thing in hip hop culture that I didn't know was a thing. I was listening to some like Lecrae records and things, and there you, he kept talking about how his wife would hold him down. You hold me down this whole time. You mm-hmm. you hold me down, girl. In a good way. Yeah, and hold me down. I always think like, it's different from hold me you're back. Hold, you're hold me down. Like it sounds so bad, yeah. but it means like you keep me in the right frame of mind. You keep me, you keep me grounded. Yeah, I would have said uh, anchored. You hold me down, girl. Grounded, tethered. I was like, man, Lecrae is dissing his wife. Like there's a big difference. Like it sounds a lot like keep me down yeah. or hold me back. He put them together. Hold I don't me know. Down. I don't know, Lecrae. You didn't yeah. understand that I'm a voice into the we culture are, as well. We are. It's right. <laughs> we are the whitest white that ever did white. I feel like that we should have uh, corroborated on this before. Yeah. Again, but, yeah, so, yeah, so when I say to Curry, you've been holding me down for uh, 24 years. Like, and then she began to cry. But I was like, <laughs> no, I mean like in Lecrae way. In a good way. Le- the Lecrae way. <laughs> I don't think we can get away with what Lecrae does. I don't think you can. No. no. There's no way. I mean, I feel like I had my fingers on the pulse of the culture, but anyone who had their fingers on the pulse of the culture would never say that. You fingers on the saying? pulse, fingers on the pulse of the culture. <laughs> I like it. It's kind of that. That's a flow. That's how you would start. I got my fingers on the pulse of the culture. <laughs> I'm doing an event with Lecrae in May. Oh, nice. I to see that Lecrae in May. I'm, I'm already rapping. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna go eat some hay. You Wait. need me to come be your entourage for that. My posse. Yeah. People still have posses. I think so. That's like that went out with like Arsenio, right? Like MC Hammer after MC Hammer had a once posse. you watch that behind the music, no one wanted an entourage ever again. No, because they're like, this all my money's going yeah, to pay this posse. It was gone. We were listening to the nineties uh nineties pop radio on Apple Music, yeah. Sadie in the Car of the Day. Right. And uh Can't Touch This came on. I mean, Johnny, what a hilarious song. It's bad. It's really bad. But I mean, it was our childhood. We just freaked oh, out. Oh yeah, about we it. listened to it on repeat. Yeah, man. And he's like, then, what did Sadie think of it though? You know what? Anything with a dance beat, her and her and Laura can. Which can is it's Rick James' to. beat. I mean, it's it's from Super Freak, so it's Did not really. Did he get sued for that too? No, that he got just, permission. That was just it was vanilla eyes, right? Yeah, because he took under pressure from Queen and David Bowie. Ding 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 ding. And he acted like he added a ding 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 ding. ding, ding, ding. Yeah, right. yeah, he yeah. did not. It's he did the not same. do that. No, it's yeah. That was the dumbest thing that anyone's ever said. But yeah, he got. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I mean, he still pocketed a lot of money. I That's think he a, had to pay. That's a management problem, though. What's funny about Vanilla Ice is he uh, he invested his money. Like, he's still loaded. Did you know? he really? Oh, yeah. He's like, well, then he started that company that, that rentals houses Flips and got houses his own show. But he's been doing, he'd been doing that, like, for 10 years before he got the show. Huh, someone did so something he went good in with all their money. Without a camera being on them. Yeah, so hmm. he went into, like, Miami Beach real estate. And hmm. then it so happened. They were like, oh, this is kind of a cool angle. This guy's, it's like a redemption story in a way. Uh, and if it did, I, mean, I don't know if he's a good guy or anything. I'm just saying, like, he he invested his money. I've heard him say, you know, on his behind the music even, he would say, like, like I had the one big hit, but, like, I'm still loaded. He even said him, I'm still loaded because I didn't <laughs> blow all my money like a rapper would do. Wow. You know, he, so. He was he, a he rapper. Bought, that he was bought the, houses, you know. But that was the whole thing. He wanted to be a legit rapper. He did. Did the guy really hang him upside down from the roof? Oh, Suge Knight. Look, anything you hear about Suge Knight's probably true. He's. Yeah. He's in jail for, I think he's in jail for life now. For I think he ran over somebody with his Range Rover. <laughs> he's just like man. a guy that he didn't like. Not not, not what you want. Suge Knight's not good. No. And they, they think he was involved in Tupac's murder. That's the big, you know, wow. you know, legend is that he was involved in that too. I, I used to be a rapper. I was Suge Free Knight. Sure. It was like sure. less calories. Yeah. You know, wouldn't make your blood sugar spike the same. I, I like didn't that. throw people off of buildings and stuff. I would just kind of <laughs> yell at you from across the room. It's good. So, yeah. I like it. Sug free, sug free, yeah. yeah. We are all sug free now because he's in jail. Mm. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> he needs a big dude too. He's not sug free. Aren't you? Fa- <laughs> That's a big man. Aren't you fascinated with someone like Vanilla Ice or someone else who is the persona of an irresponsible creative, and you find out that they have business acumen? Doesn't that? that that's or maybe a, that, yeah, I mean, that's a very stereotype thing. Well, to he say, probably. But. I think what he did is a background in construction before he got into hip hop. 
like maybe his one of his side jobs was just like you know he's slinging wood for one of these. So he's like, I could do this. So once he had money, he just invested and started flipping houses. And then he just yeah. got. Sometimes it's one of those things where you can put your hands to it and you're like, I could do this. Yeah. And it's intimidating to somebody, but not if you've come from like. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say he came from the streets because I think he was he was raised in like the Florida suburbs. But right. I think that was the whole. I deal. think he knew. Like he had some advantages probably, but he probably worked construction or something and got into it. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting that yeah, there's some things where you go, if this person uh, didn't have this hit song, like what would they even do? But yeah, there's a lot of people who go, yeah, I'm going to be smart with this. Like I, you always hear this about NBA players now. They come in and the first month of like rookie camp is like every day you go in and there's somebody who's an ex-player telling you, don't do this. You know, mm. don't don't lend a bunch of money to your stepbrother who has a great restaurant idea. Mm. Yeah, they're telling them all the dumb things not to do. Don't buy five sports cars just because you can. By the way, these are all things that I've done. Right, you've done no. all of it. <laughs> now I'm over here just turning red as you go. Yeah, man. No, I, I, there, there, I love the idea that there is some... Because money is one of those things. What are, you know, all the stats about people who win the lottery. Well, was, we all think we're going to be the outlier too. You think, well, I won't be the dumb person. Oh man, money! I'll be a, you know, I'll be the one who did it the right way. And it's just, it's, it's such a, it's fraught with challenges. Now, even a large amount of money in the millions is still finite. Yeah, like very few people. Well, and your career is finite too. You know, yeah. you can't. You're not going to make that amount. Even if you're making a lot of money, you're not going to make that amount of money forever. And there's a chance that you won't just fall into another career afterwards. If that's the th- if you got paid that much money to do that thing that's mm-hmm. so unique, it's like it's not like you're probably going to just go get hired. You know, working in somebody's office. You right. know what I'm saying? You could, I suppose, but and some people don't want to do that because they're like down known for this. It's like, yeah, yeah, you're known for that, and so it's uh, almost shameful. Like I can't go get a real job. Yeah, so you're trapped by your fame. Well, that's that whole this whole counterculture of you know basically has been celebrities who go on Dancing with the Stars or, uh-huh. or go on some sort of reality television show to try to resurrect this celebrity status right because that's all they really have to work with it's the capital that they have well it happened and we may even talk about on the podcast the guy that played jeffrey on um the cosby show eldon uh was it eldon or i can't remember his name his name's jeffrey i think he played eldon the the son who married denise yeah lisa bonet's character so there was a story about a year ago two years ago that was like we caught this guy working at trader joe's as a cashier it was like a tmz story and they tried to shame this guy just let the dude have a job. Yeah, it's like, he's like, I'm not going to, he, when he slapped back at it, he was like, I'm not going to apologize. There's no shame in Jeez. like working hard. And what had happened, they found out was the Cosby show money, syndication money had dried up because of the Cosby scandal. Wow. So a lot of those guys had to go get regular jobs because they're like, well, I have to do something. It's like, stop shaming people for going bring, to get a real job. I wonder if they could bring a civil case against Cosby for that loss of income because literally his mistake cost yeah. them residual income from work they had done How wow a weird one i just put that out there yeah i wonder if I he wonder has if any we, money left i wonder if we could sue somehow he ruined my childhood because <laughs> you look back and like it was some of that stuff was going on while the cosby oh show was going gosh, on you're like Ugh, america's yeah. grandpa yeah it's so disturbing yeah 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 that, i think it what shows you is like don't put your trust in like don't idolize people no but even so, to find out he was a jerk or something's one yeah. thing. But to find out he was, was a predator, like yeah, that that, that I don't think ever, look people out there may not all be great, but yeah, you you do want to have some like I don't mean like faith in humanity. Obviously, from my faith viewpoint, I don't have a lot of faith in yeah. humanity. Except that humanity is made in the image of God. There's a lot of good things that come out of humanity. Yeah, even outside of Christ, you know, there's goodness in in the earth. Uh, that's related to Christ, whether they believe it or not. Technically, I guess I mean all good is inside of Christ. No one who's doing good is outside of Christ's purview in his influence because they're made in his image. So, But that being said, yes, you, and not that, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in the hole now. Not that <laughs> even a predator, I'm, I'm in the same need of grace that he is in need of. I'm not speaking that, that he is somehow more separated or somehow more dead than I was dead without Christ. There's only one level of dead. We're all dead. Doesn't matter how you got there. Uh, you don't go to a battlefield and they're like, well, yeah, but that guy really is dead. Like they're either all dead or you're alive. So I was dead. And 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 if someone's dead outside of Christ, that's the same regardless. But from a human, you know, categorical um, place of consequence, <laughs> that is a severe thing 
to society. Well, and you had to feel like we were being duped the whole time, too. That's the hard right. part. Is you go back and remember, like, do you mean this was going on since the 80s? And yeah, that's the, been doing this, creepy stuff. Yeah. And then the thing, too, was the hypocrisy of the moral high ground. Like, that's what a lot of the black community had a problem with. He would go give these speeches at universities and be like, black kids need to pull up your pants and stop acting like thugs. And right. he was raping people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like that weird moral high ground that's yeah. all phony. That's when people get outraged. If he wouldn't have taken quite the... I mean, it was, there'd be nothing to redeem it. No, there's but, no redemption, but, it but it's just insult. that... Yeah. yeah, it's the injury. Yeah, it's... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's it's messed up, but yeah. I, I think to me it's like the, st- the statues, like, uh, you know, they tore down the Paterno statue after it was found out that he was kind of complicit or at least looked the other way during yeah. the Sanduskies. I was just like, how about no more statues of people? Right. You know? Eventually, you're going to find some reason to tear it down. Yeah, I saw a meme. Uh, I've got friends on both sides of the political aisle on my Facebook and Twitter, and I think that's how it should be. But I saw one, and it was uh, there's a there's a meme where it's like a guy wiping sweat from his brow. It's a cartoon character wiping sweat, and he's trying to decide which of two buttons to push. And one button said, uh, uh, "Confederacy statues are important." And then the other button said, uh, stop giving stop giving trophies to losers. <laughs> and it was like that hypocrisy, which is usually held by someone in the very super conservative bent. Right. It's like, yeah, the, the, it's a very stark hypocrisy of like, we, we don't give out <laughs> second place trophies. We don't give out trophies to losers. But my Confederate memorial is very important to me and we wow. shouldn't tear these down. I thought that was kind of a funny and very pointed meme. Wow. Yeah. 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 And the, the funny thing is, is I don't know that that meme, because that would cause me to go, wow, there's actually something logically. Yeah, no, there's, about yeah, it's that. value. It actually has the potential to change minds. Yeah. Hearts but, and minds, but, but, but I, I bet the majority, and it's no. not, I'm not stereotyping. I just mean, anything, I don't know. I always often wonder how much truth can be communicated through a meme. I, do, I think satire can communicate a lot of truth. Well, I like that. That's kind of what I like about comedy is that I can hear somebody who has a totally different view of the world that I do, but he can make solid points, and I can be like, or she, or she, and like Jeez. that's a solid. It's a solid point, and I don't have to like change my mind a hundred percent, but I can go. There's solid points on both sides, yeah. and I have to admit that to myself. You know? Yeah, I think anytime you come out of an uh, some sort of conflict or some sort of moment where you're trying to decipher between two viewpoints and you're on one and someone's on the other and you walk away feeling that they had no valid points, I think you're probably in trouble. Yeah. Like if, if there's conflict, I don't mean just to be conciliatory and try to build a bridge. I mean, in general, if you think, no, no, everything about my viewpoint is right. So I can still, I had one of those the other day. Like I said, well, I mean, this doesn't change what I think about the situation or whatever, but they had valid points from their viewpoint. It's not the way I'd seen it. Yeah. But, I can see what they're seeing, you know, and, and I try to do that. I'm not very good at it, but I'm trying to get to the place where. Right. Even theologically, it's important, like, to, there, I can't remember who wrote it. It might have been Anne Lamott. I can't remember who wrote it, but there's something like, if you find that God always hates the same people that you hate and loves the same people that you love, wow, yeah. you're worshiping yourself. Yeah. And and then somebody tweeted that today. It said, uh, repeat until theology improves. And it said, God is not just a bigger version of me. God is not just a bigger version of me. Cause I'm, I think that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. We craft this, uh, maybe larger, maybe a little more pure image of ourself. And that becomes God. We're imagining, uh, well, of course he agrees with me. I'm in the right. Yeah. Instead of like picturing God as someone who's like, his ways are higher and we have we're we're still way short of the mark even though he looks down and loves us and gives us grace but we're still like way off yeah i mean that i spoke sunday that's been the intent of some things we're doing in community is like for me it, it what's hard is is it looks when you're the one speaking as if this is your idea yeah so you're you're propagating the way you see it and what I'm propagating right now is not the way I've seen it most of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a hard to communicate that. But like, no, I see it this way now, but I'm not, I would not have seen it this way two years ago. You know, yeah. I would not have seen the value of it. it. And it does come down to that whole, it, in my, that's what I told them, like, guys, I'm really good at my brokenness. If you look at me, I'm really good at managing it. By social standards, I manage my brokenness pretty well, pretty well adjusted, pretty whatever. But I'm starting to ask different questions about things in my life that everyone lives with, so they say, that 
maybe control me more than it should. Mm-hmm. They control me more than they should. You know, my worry, my fear of people, my need to approve, get the approval of other people. Um, and those things are like, oh, well, those are normal. And I'm, I'm really back to your point. Like, yeah, but that means I've constructed, if that's normal to me, I've constructed that normality. What does the Bible really say? Like mm-hmm. it says over and over again, you know, don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And then the God of peace or the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. And like, there's that like, oh, that's a great scripture for your, uh, your volleyball bag. We should have that one embroidered. But like, that's a really radical, what do you mean be anxious for nothing? Like, that's crazy. I can't do that. You know? So I'm starting to kind of. Well, yeah, anxious is like a bad, anxiety is a badge of honor in today's culture. Oh, yeah. We act like if you're not anxious, you just have your head in the sand. Like when I see someone who seems to be carefree, I get angry at them Mm -hmm. sometimes. I just go, you're not paying. In other words, I've seen a bumper sticker. Yeah, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. That's a bumper sticker. That's a Mm -hmm. real bumper sticker that I've seen in in more than one place. If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Or if you're not anxious... Uh, about X, Y, Z. And I'm not saying we don't live in times that can induce anxiety, but yeah, it's become this busyness is a badge of honor. Lack of sleep is a badge of honor. Um, It's weird. And we're not happier for it. We're never healthier for it. Mm -mm. So yeah, it's like you said, it's like, uh, what do we really want? We think, we think anxiety is this unachievable or or lack of anxiety is an unachievable goal. Yeah. I, I can't, you know, recount the number of times how many years I lived wanting subconsciously wanting you to know that I'm busier than you yeah or that I'm doing something more important or that I'm more stressed you know I needed that yeah in order to get number one your sympathy probably by I don't mean just you I mean just, this is a you know emphatic you to everyone around me but like this Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, I got a second. Right. You know, at church on a Wednesday night, it was the worst. Like, if you caught me running past you, you're like, my gosh, that guy yeah. is doing everything. Like, right. he is, he, he, I don't have time. Wasn't there an episode of Seinfeld like that where George yep. just looked irritated? <laughs> when you came so no one would ever ask him to do anything because he just looked like he was always irritated yeah. and he was busy. He's on his way to do something else. He's so like, like taking naps under his desk and stuff. He yeah. wasn't really doing anything at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I, and, and, and I was busy, and it, did, it was kind of a, a, a cycle of a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways. Now you really do yeah. have to take on that persona, you know. I never forget John Kerry is the one who really got me out of that a lot because John Kerry— Not w- the presidential candidate. No, no, it was him, the secretary of, <laughs> former secretary of state. Um, John Kerry with a C is our friend, and uh, he was on staff here, and we you know, are still great friends, and he— he, I remember the like one of the first Sundays because I'll get here early on Sunday and man, you know, back then it was like, what's wrong? Let's go fix it. And you know, yeah. it's like high pressure all the way to the moment the service starts. You know, everything is going to go wrong and stuff does go wrong. And I was downstairs. John was down there and we were doing something. And he just looked at me. and was like, "Hey, wh- what are you so worked up about?" Like when he's brand new on staff. I'm like, yeah. "What do you mean?" And I, it was, I was very offended. I was just right, like, right. What do you mean? Don't don't tell me, rookie. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. you know. And he was like, "Hey, everything's okay." Uh huh. And I was like, you know, he's kind of right. Like, and I realized having that tone, that sort of it's like a shield. Yeah, and and it wasn't attractive, especially to new people coming to church that were all running around like that. Yeah. This is just the hardest thing in the world. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing easier light as the gospel would say about that. You know, right? And, and so. It's not making you more friendly. It's not making you more approachable. It's not, you Mm -hmm. know, you just look like that. Hey, man, you want this life in Christ. It kind of sucks. And we're all stressed out by it. But come join us. Like, you know, it's just very. It's like even the people who like I talk about sleep, like lack of sleep, people that go, I only get this much sleep a night. And that was a big thing in uh, corporate culture for a while of like, just go, just go, go, go. And you only have this much time to make hay while the sun shines. And so you better be. And they're watching you at these big companies. And now these companies like go, you need to take a 20-minute nap during the day. Because there's all these studies out that say, like, if you're not getting at least six to seven hours, eight hours is usually like. And now what they're learning in sleep studies is, and through, like, just chemically and biologically in the brain. We we talked about this one time. Because Andrew was this way, he'd be like, "Yeah, I only need this oh, many hours." Gosh. And what with what? I mean, we talked to him about it one time because we were like, "What we're learning now is that that the, between four and eight hours is where your brain connects all the dots 
So if you wake up and you're just like, you don't feel like yourself and you just forget things, that's that four hours that you thought, well, I'm up earlier to do all this stuff. Yeah, but you forgot your social security number. You know, <laughs> you forgot. <laughs> you know? right. Like all those dots are connected in yeah. that between hour four and hour eight. Wow. So if you think, oh, I'm going to just take the world by the tail by getting up at 5 a.m. I went to bed at one. Like it's not going to work out long term. You're long doing term, damage right. to your brain. Yeah, yeah. You can, there's time. There's time and place. Yeah. But you can. You can. And then the idea of catching up to that was another thing that the study said. This idea of like I'll catch up on sleep when we get to Saturday. That's a myth too. You can't. You can't undo. I want to say it's damage, but you can't get caught up. Hmm. Uh, and you could probably get caught up to a healthy pattern again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah. like the idea of like you're. It's a synaptic uh, damage almost that you're doing temporarily, and you're you're. It's the same thing we talked about last week with like people that say they multitask. You can do a mundane thing and then do an important thing, but you can't do two important things well. Right. And call it multitasking. One of those is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And that's what are those, all the studies are saying that I've been reading. And I don't know. I'm fascinated by that. The idea of the way we've decided as a modern culture to cope with a, an extra busy schedule or, you know, parental roles have changed. Everything's changed. And so how we cope with that is fascinating to me. And so and now we're finding out like, oh, this all this stuff that we thought we were doing by being extra busy or being a helicopter parent or whatever yeah. it is, it doesn't work. Mm. Uh, and now we're we're in like now we're trying to find the next thing. What does work? And I don't know. It's fascinating to me. Will you do me a favor? Yeah. Would you say synaptic? Damage again in like Doctor Evil's voice because I had a very like villainous. <laughs> will do synaptic, <laughs> synaptic damage. No, it's very true. I think I think that the man, excuse me, humanity. Sorry, oh, well, mankind, humankind, person kind is 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 only like it's again finite. Yeah, and. and the idea, and this goes back to Tower of Babel, like the idea that you can do everything, which is is like man's greatest, the thing that we ascribe to the most, and I'm going to do it all. I'm going to mm-hmm. somehow find a way. I'm going to beat the, the human code, and I'm going to be able to accomplish it all. I'm going to have to put more effort in than everybody else, but it's like, you're right. You, you, it's, it's counterintuitive. The truth is you have to rest, or you, you can't do that. You, know, you can't do it on the level that you want. It's so much more freeing when you're – I struggle with that. Knowing your limitations is actually freedom. Mm-hmm. Not knowing your limitations, you'll just keep doing damage to yourself. But knowing, no one ever thinks of boundaries, limitations as yeah, freeing, true. But they are. Yeah, I used to think about that with like horse. Why do they shoot a horse uh, when it breaks its leg? It's because a horse doesn't know not to stand on its leg and try to run. Yeah. And so it's going to do further damage. So yeah, wow. like when we don't know that mm-hmm. we're hurt. I mean, I'm telling you, let's still preach on. You're going to be. This is good, guys. This is Some of y'all have a broken leg and you need to be shot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the end of that sermon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Turn to Titus. Uh, and then some random scripture in Titus will back right. up what you're saying. <laughs> Have you ever done that? I had to stop doing that. When I was a young adult's pastor, uh, I found that I had to really talk myself out of having a great idea and then finding scriptures to prop it up. Oh, yeah. Like I would think of a cool thing that was like a literary idea, like the horse leg thing, and I'd be like... Now, what scriptures can I cherry pick yep. to, to prop this up? And I think we've had like a generation of preaching like that. And oh, that's yeah. why we're in the mess we're in. That's why so many churches don't even know. Like, there's just like, come on in. And it's very, uh, it's like a, a Dr. Phil episode with like scriptures that are pulled from every corner of the Bible to prop up the, yeah. your Dr. Phil idea. Well, it's like I always bring you joke setups that have funny premises. Yeah. All I need from you, Johnny, yeah. is the punchline. Yeah, Marty always does that. He'll be like, I got this idea, and I'll be like, yeah, it's a good idea. He goes, now do that part where you make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I think when you're young, especially, you know, I told the church, I preached my first sermon at 16, and it was like 45 minutes with like 20 scriptures. And I was like, mm-hmm. nothing has changed, and they all laughed, you know. But it really is like a Back then, it was so like so topical. I remember it was about spiritual amnesia, which is actually something I still talk about today. I just don't call it that. But I even at that age knew what is it? It's, it's the no arrivals. Even yeah. back then, even at that age, I could tell like, wow, what happened with me and Jesus yesterday doesn't seem to carry over necessarily today with my feelings. Right, it carries over spiritually. But that's why it's called daily bread, John. That's, man, I'm telling you, the outward man's perishing, inward man's, inward man's being renewed. I'm setting you up. What? 
the inward man's being renewed day by day. There you go. So like, but oh dear Lord, three things the I three pray. Three things I pray to see thee more clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's so funny. You look back. I have almost all my sermons from like two thousand eight forward. I think I don't. I think I lost spiritual the, amnesia. I lost the. First I don't think I ever heard years. that one. I don't remember that one. But I mean, again, it's about amnesia. So no, I, my favorite thing about amnesia, <laughs> and I, I really don't remember it. But uh, I wasn't making a joke. But I really don't remember it. But I remember a lot of your sermons. But I will say this, like amnesia used to be like every sitcom in the 80s and even the 90s would have an amnesia episode. Oh, yeah. The person would fall or get hit on the head. And my favorite part was to reverse the amnesia, hit you hit them on the head again. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many people were hitting each other on the yeah. head at home and trying to bring it back by another slug with a two by four. Kids, if you're listening, that's not Don't how it works. do it. Yeah, don't cause more trauma <laughs> to end trauma. <laughs> That'll preach. Mm. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, man. Some of y'all have been through trauma and you're trying to undo it with more trauma. So you remember my sermons. Okay, Johnny. I remember some of them. Tell me a sermon you remember. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's see. Let's see how quick you really are. I remember one that you did where it was like a purity thing with the the kids and youth where you had them. That's not fair. You looked at the prop up no, here. No, no, no. Oh, I didn't. Is it up here? I have You one. still have it? Yeah. <laughs> I figured that'd be something you'd get rid of. Is like, that's the old way. It's the old John because you were being legalistic or something. It was. I put parameters around that. Didn't you do it. like thing you're making a vow? It was almost like a promise ring kind of a ceremony. <sighs> okay. You want to know the whole backstory? Sure. So I want to do a night on purity, sex, the whole thing. We talk about it all the time, but I want to yeah. do a night on it. And I didn't want to be cheesy. But I also had a bunch of interns then. Yeah. And so that day was like an exercise. I was like, okay, tonight I'm talking on X. Let's just pretend that you were talking on X. And I want to do something that sends them home with something in their hands. Right. You know, that, like a totem. Yeah. It's a tangible some moment to, to market. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to – our exercise today is we're just going to be creative. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of money. We have really no money. Right. Let's go to Dollar Tree. And so me and the interns loaded up. I took them to lunch. We went to Dollar Tree. And I was like, so you guys go out here. You know the topics, marriage, sex, all that stuff. Here's $4 each. Yeah. What, what can you bring to me that I could give one to 80 kids tonight? Wow. You know, I'm, I'll put in the 80 bucks or whatever. It's like a scavenger you know? hunt. Yeah. It's like a creative youth pastor scavenger hunt night. So what we found was, and I have them right there. Yeah. We found these little, um, they're like party favor boxes. Uh-huh. And they're for weddings, and one was a tuxedo box as a little tie, and one was uh, like a little wedding a dress. bride, yeah. yeah. And so, okay, all right, I can give something to the boys, something to the girls, and then we got little tea candles mm-hmm. and put inside. And so I was like, okay, how can we do this? So we kept it was just all creative. That it was on the day of. I had the, the message. boxes lit on fire, and we had to. <laughs> well, what we did was is I so I was like, okay, what we'll do is so you know, as much as I don't endorse like. Um, True love waits and all those things. Their idea is right. I mean, purity bef- before marriage is the right, right concept. Um, and helping kids to think about it beforehand is smart. Yeah. Like anything in life that you haven't thought about beforehand, but until you get there, is, is not going to go well for you. And it, especially, I think, in purity, like if you haven't at all thought of, wow, should I avoid this temptation? Then most of us, especially during that age, I mean, yeah, you wait until you're in the jam until you, yeah, yeah. that's tough. Try to get out of it. Yeah. And then you might get you in trouble in ways you don't have to be. So I'm, I at least wanted them to make, uh, what I always tell them is, listen, mistakes, not mistakes. Just know this, your future spouse is a real person. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the, the thing that, that used to speak to them a lot. I would, I would hear good feedback from that. Like, we treat it as if where you're living now is is as if that person it's is like going, an alternate dimension. They're yeah. created the moment yeah. you meet them. The moment you meet them, they just magically poof and appear. Yeah. And so, just because you haven't met them doesn't mean you can't right now begin honoring them, because they are going to be your future spouse. So yeah. you're not you're not. I mean, they're going to be the one that you commit to. So why not commit to them now, though you don't know who they are? Commit to God and commit that you, you look. So if you're with number one when you're dating someone, and it's really really evident to you that they're not that person, then why? Like, you don't have to waste your time on that. You know, I mean, so it just kind of gave clarity to pretend that person already exists and make the right vows now. Take this box home and light this candle and build a shrine to that person. (laughs) There's no harm in it. This is all biblical. (laughs) See, this is what everybody takes wrong. (laughs) I gave me a box with a candle. I was like, I would have been pray to this every day. Say this chant. Light this candle and dance around. <laughs> the deal was, would it be cool, though, if on the day you got married, 
you don't open the box and light that candle. It's kind of like having I do I do weddings all the time now right. where they'll take a uh, the right letters to each other. Yeah, they'll take a bottle of wine and they'll nail it into this box. Okay, now one time they tried to do it and they use these little. What are like, they nailing into the box? A bottle of wine. How do you nail a bottle of wine? I don't understand what's a, going on. It's a wooden box. You stick the bottle down oh, in, you put the I lid on, see. Okay. and you nail the lid down. Okay. You're not nailing the bottle of wine to I don't the know. box. I'm just, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what's going on. And so I did this one wedding, yeah. and it was cold outside. It was an outside wedding. It was cold. Yeah. And uh, they had these like little hammers, because you don't want to take a real hammer. It was like kind of decorative, fancy A fancy hammer, hammer that ain't worth nothing. They couldn't do it. So yeah. there's a song going. There's a song in the background going. And they're trying to hammer us. It's like bang, 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 oh, bang, beautiful. bang, and like they were just and they were started giggling and laughing. You it's know, a unity hammer. It wasn't heavy enough <laughs> to drive the nail, you know. And so, but they had to keep doing it, and so it just it was hilarious. And like uh, they could not get it. You know, I don't know. You bring that's funny. sacred I never staple knew that. gun. I never, yeah, it's the sacred staple gun. <laughs> so I did it's a, got like lace around it. <laughs> so I did the wedding, another wedding, a few months back, where they were doing this. I was like, look, if it's one thing I've learned, have a real hammer out yeah. there or a screw gun or something. Like if you're gonna do this but anyway you put the bottle of wine in you put the letters in and then all your family puts letters in yeah and so you kind of it's like a time capsule and so the deal is they say and and i'll read it into the ceremony like hey if in five years you open up this box you you know drink the wine together and celebrate your fifth anniversary or 10 years or whatever and read the letters of what everybody said and all those things or if you're at a moment in time in your marriage between now and then that you feel like crisis has set in and you're thinking about walking away maybe you're reminded of open yeah. the box yeah drink the wine read the letters and remind each other of what you were feeling today that's the idea so it was something similar to that i was giving them a time capsule like take this mm-hmm. and then you have you're already making vows to god and to your future spouse to, to try to remain you know not just pure physically right. but you're living your life as if they exist yeah that's that's all i'm saying so be careful what you do with your heart, not just your body. Careful what you do with your heart. You know, live live for your marriage in the future with it in mind. And some of you may never get married, and that's fine, but most of you want but to. You, and for those of you, we don't have a box for you. So <laughs> well, you need to hold this oh, tea light gosh. candle. <laughs> I'm not saying I knew it. Again, it was an exercise with the interns. Anyway, I know. I love it. It's fun. No, it's good. And I'm just being, I'm just. You know, Seth and Kenneth both had their boxes on the day I married them. Did they really? Yeah. That's yeah. great. But I'm, I'm sure they were eye-rolling by that point. In that no, point. Seth know. and Kenna, they bought in. They're true believers. I mean, the deal was, I was it wasn't, here, I want to say this, it wasn't just a ploy to keep their right from having sex. Like, that was not, yeah. the, 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 the idea was, I, I want you, let's do something tangible when you look at it, remind you that your spouse yeah, exists. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that you're I making, think it's good. So, anyway. I like totems like that. I remember when I you started, because you would show me, I'd be I'd doing, I'm planning things, and I started getting asked to speak places, and. And then I started doing comedy. But even before that, people were like, hey, can you come do it or whatever? And I remember you go, if you have like a thing that you can walk around with and you're holding this thing that's like the – yeah, you did a couple sermons like that. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is kind of cool. So I had this thing, uh, a Christmas gift one time. Um, I got a UT Vols football. Do you remember this? No. My brother got it for me. It was, uh, it was signed by two coaches. Wow. But the coaches were Lane Kiffin and Monty Kiffin, <laughs> who left us nine months yeah. later in a huge kerfuffle, and it was yeah. awful. It was a big, you know, yeah. mess. So he's the most. He went from the most loved, beloved coach yeah. to the most hated man in Knoxville. He's oh, probably yeah. still one of the most hated men in Knoxville. Like we'd they, love to see Lane. They Kiffin rioted, play. right? They did yeah. this mess. So I had this whole thing, and the whole thing was like about storing up your treasures in heaven, and like how this this football was probably worth a lot of money at some point. And then it it would completely lost all of its value hmm. overnight because I just put I, if you, so if you put your hope in that like you're yeah. it's it's shaky ground so that was the whole idea. But I'm walking around with this football thinking like I just remember I feel <laughs> foolish when I think about it now that I had a football the whole time no people some people are very visual man there's probably people that remember that oh, I remember that one sermon with the football. You know what the kids have told me they remembered? They're like, thank God he went on to become a comedian because that sermon <laughs> no, dude, was... you're a great preacher. No, no I, I think the thing I've heard kids say, I did a sermon one time, and I used to talk about the four dimensions of God's love. Yeah. Because, you know, it says how the height, high, how the deep, and the, yeah. how wide, and how... What does he say? The height, the depth, the width, and the breadth. The breadth is what it is, yeah. But how breadth... I couldn't, I couldn't how it, breadth <laughs> is the love of God? I couldn't put it into a into an exclamatory statement. At any rate, I was like, well, guys, you know, we only live in three dimensions. So there's, I would do that whole kind of... Mm-hmm. It's probably a little meta 
for youth, but I yeah. did it. Well, I, I don't know. I the did cubic that. feet of God's love. You're, you're putting a very, formula. You're putting an algorithm together for God's love. <laughs> it's pretty much like there's another dimension. So I had this box and I put a candle, like a lot of candles for me. Yeah. I put a candle inside. It's very like, liturgical of you, even I, back then. I took the top off. I'm, I know like there's some image in one of my old podcasts of like we're holding the box and the candle's lit. Yeah. I'm standing and the kids are just like, they do. They'll stare at fire. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now uh-huh. they're not hearing anything I'm saying. Yeah. But they're staring at the fire. But I, somehow, I don't know. It was just it beautiful. Was, I remember the other one that you did, it was for like middle schoolers when you had the, the light sticks. Oh, yeah. And it, the whole thing was like, God has to break you before he can that use was my you. very first sermon here. Yeah. And it was like, I remember. I use it again another time I think. And you said, everything's going on. The middle schoolers are just staring off into space. I'm holding this stick up, you know, that's not glowing yet. And then I broke it. And all the stick, did they all have them or something? Or did you just have the okay, one? Okay, here's what it was. But you said that like there was a gasp. There was like I, I, that was the best one ever. It's <laughs> so funny though. It was my first night. Yeah, it was at this church. First night, we were in an old wedding chapel. Uh-huh. There was no building. There were twelve kids, and I remember at we were supposed to start at six thirty, and at six forty, they're all outside playing football. Mm-hmm. And I went to the one of the kids. I was like, "Hey, what what are they doing?" They're like, "Football. That's what we do." You know, I was like, yeah. "Oh man!" So I called them in. I didn't want to be the heavy or whatever. I played some songs, my guitar. And just, you know, they mm-hmm. didn't, you know, it was, just, it was just like 12 kids in this old wedding chapel. And you're like, okay. And so I pulled out this huge roll of bubble wrap. Yeah. Okay. And I talked about your, your, your brokenness, you know, or whatever. Oh, so the stick was down in there. You, you couldn't, couldn't see, see it. it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Then. And it was kind of dark in there because it was like stained glass, you know, it wasn't great lighting. I right. didn't, I didn't anticipate that. And they, yeah, they were kind of with me. And I was like, but guys, if you allow God to just take that whole big thing and, and all those, all the crackies cracking and doing all this stuff in my right. hands, and I just went, snap. I just snapped it. And dude, it lit up like a lightsaber in my hand, green. Like the yeah. whole, the whole thing, like better. Cause I guess it yeah. amplified through all the bubble wrap or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they like, they freaked. <gasps> he was like, a, right. he's a witch. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those nights. They just fell down and worshipped you. It was like, God just gave me favor. The kids are like, I'll go anywhere with you, Pastor yeah. John. You know, just because I made light happen out of a bubble. That's room. unbelievable. You know, that's honestly, that's the closest thing I could tell you. Because I know you've wondered this before. Like, you've talked to me about, like, what's it like to make a crowd laugh and all that stuff. And what's it like? That's the closest thing. Because yeah. if you know you have, like, a thing that has worked in 99 out of 100 rooms, yeah. it's like having this phosphorus bomb or grenade in your pocket. And I know I'm talking now and I'm saying things, and you may be listening, you may not be listening, but when I say this, yeah. everybody in here is going to laugh. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting feeling. So you knew, like, you got this thing, you're like, well, here we go. Yeah, well, It's I didn't a little know bit of a risk, but you didn't know for sure, but you had a feeling it's going to change the room a little bit. One time it backfired on me. I was in Alcoa. I was uh, youth pastoring there, and maybe you remember this. Yeah. And we used to do Sunday night services, and I had taken something, a rag or something, and I dipped it in gasoline. Oh, boy. And I was going to I was gonna light it up and then put it out real quick because the gas just burns off kind of thing. I forget what. I have no clue what my illustration was, my wow. scripture, whatever. I just need to, are, were you acquitted at the end of this story? <laughs> because this already, I can tell, is going to go bad. There was a can of gasoline in my office. I will oh, tell you boy. that. And so I did it beforehand to practice because I'm not an idiot. You yeah. know? I mean, I'm kind of an idiot. <laughs> and you're like, I need to do this twice. <laughs> <laughs> this dumb idea needs to be tested. And so I did it and it worked. Yeah. Like a peach. Well, I used the same cloth or whatever it was. Yeah. And I discovered, I don't know why, it wouldn't work twice huh. on that cloth. So I, re, I, I tried to relight it or soak it again. And I, I'm in the middle of my sermon sitting here trying to light this thing up. You can't up, light gasoline. And I can't get it, my illustration to work. And it just, it just bombed. Like it was like, well, wow. there we go. Hey, kids. I mean, I don't know why. It was I promise some, you, it works. God, yeah, ga- God's a fire. <laughs> Holy Spirit's a fire inside you. Gasoline's flammable, just like your spiritual. I don't know what my connection yeah. was. But yeah. No, I mean, I don't, haven't had a lot of. I mean, I think we all laughed about it. That's a good thing. If you bomb yeah, in youth ministry or comedy or whatever. Like, well, you're good at that. You can, you can diffuse the awkwardness out of a moment. I That's to. really half of speaking anyway is making people feel more comfortable that you're driving the bus yeah because like they want to like you this idea too that especially with comedy but even with preaching this idea that like it's us against them and we got to get a hold of them and we got to whatever it never works you got to walk out thinking like i'm among friends this yeah this is supposed to go good don't you th- I mean, if somebody comes to your church don't you think they hope that you're the next whatever like if i go to a comedy club 
most of those people are hoping that they were there to see the next big right. thing. They were like, this guy stinks. It's going to be a great story to talk about how I heckled him. Yeah. Well, I think people showing up for a comedy show and showing up for a church service should be similar. I think I can tell when someone's new yeah. and they're like, hey, break me. Good luck. Oh, right, right, right. Know? They're folding their arms. It's very yeah. like but the body language is is different. Like I came here hurt or I came here from a place where somebody really impressed me all the time, which, again, always the, oh, lo- right. the logic of it. I, I had this conversation. We had somebody leave who's, who's pretty new and, and we don't really know, you know, all the stuff. But I always point out like and it's OK. People leave, you know. But every day, somebody's leaving a church or coming to a church, you know. And, and I was like, what gets me is is when people leave and the reason they give me is that we're not like the last place that they left. Oh, right. Like, you know, what we're looking for is, and they describe something they've already had. That they weren't happy that with. That they're not happy with. Yeah. And they don't get it. Like, I'm telling you, and, and, and I, I realize I'm not the most logical guy on the planet or whatever, but just that information or transformation all that flows first through logical place for me yeah like if you again you point out to me that i'd be like you know what that means that, yeah you can chew on it for a while yeah some people don't work that way though and it doesn't and they're not they're not dumb or anything like that it just means they feel no, they're first or whatever they're just wired differently and and for me though i don't get it like i can't mm-hmm. i can't not be wired that way yeah. i can learn to empathize with that but for me i'm just and i've said that to them before like that's cool dude go wherever you want to go uh, let me answer this. You're, you're literally going to because if you're leaving because, though, of something that was not good enough to hold you last time, like w- that we're not doing. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe give it a shot, you know. And then also, do you know uh, the same thing with a job? Like, do you know where you're going? I mean, right. sometimes you make a leap and there's a great reason to leave a church or leave a company or whatever. But like, I always want to know what I'm leaping to if I can, at least one step of it. Yeah. You know? I may not know the 100-mile plan, but I want to know the 100-foot plan if I can. So I don't know, Johnny. The 100-foot plan is a great idea for a book, John. You think so? foot Did you give me book titles like crazy today? I don't think the 100-foot plan. But it needs, it needs a me, it like, me like hanging off a cliff or something. I think Dr. Martin Luther King said uh, you don't need to see the whole staircase, just the first 100-foot. Mm. He didn't. He didn't say that. that was like but, he, was but you could the first step. The first. You didn't. Didn't you have a thing like that that you would say about how when you turn on your headlights when you go home you don't need to see your house you just need to see what's in front of you. Yeah. You stole from Martin Luther King without even really knowing it. Like that's <laughs> parody, pretty close to pirating. Yeah, parody. <laughs> <laughs> well, stare, there's two completely different metaphors. John, oh my goodness! Wow. Why do you hate Martin Luther King so much? Man, I'm going to tell you something. I actually love Martin Luther King Day. There's so much. There's just so much you you forget about his influence. Yeah, and, and how diverse. Uh, it's dumb that his, we forget. I should be reading this all year. What I love is how diverse his writings were. I am, I am fascinated, though, by Facebook and Instagram culture that posts quotes, and it's always a quote that tends to prop up their side of yeah. whatever political bent. Yeah. Uh, so, like, for people who would always quote the I Have a Dream speech, I would say, go read letters from Birmingham jail where he mm-hmm. talks about comfortable white Christians have been a huge enemy of the civil rights movement because they, they're allowing injustice to go on, thinking that it's kind of like this, well, God's in control and we don't have a, we don't, shouldn't have a say in social matters. He was talking about how, like, that is more of an enemy to, he, I think he calls it moderate whites. He said moderate white people. Yeah. Who refuse to get involved are more of a barrier than even racist people. I have the quote right here. Yeah. Because that was the one that got me so much. Yeah, it nails you. But you don't see that quote posted a lot. Yeah. The- yeah, I actually pulled it up because I knew I knew where you were going. He says this. First I must confess that over the past few years I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizens' council or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a, quote, more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. Mm. 
I mean, dude. Yeah, that that that's a that's a punch that that I need in the gut. I mean, and that, that you can apply that to a hundred different things. Certainly, still to that issue yeah. at hand. I think it causes me to want. Like, I found myself at this age in life. There was a time in life, I think, in our era, even political correctness and other things came about during our era, the late nineties. You know, that you you want to, and even as a Christian, it seems more honorable to to try to keep from offending you know mm-hmm. and i don't want to i think that we have a whole culture that's just offending for the sake of offense at this right. point there's not a lot of dialogue uh back and forth but i certainly want to be found speaking the right truths regardless of their offensiveness especially in, in the for the sake of justice i mean to be able to explicitly say guys racism is is wrong on every level and I don't want to just point out someone else's racism in its comparison to mine as a as a Christ follower, especially. I have to be real with Christ about where I am, regardless of where others are and deal with my mess and where I am. You know, and, and I think that those those kinds of statements to be made by people much in much greater authority than me. But yeah. that those you know, the statements need to be made from the pulpit of every church because it is it is, it is a non I mean, my gosh, you you, you find out the 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 slave Bible where they took out parts about freedom to let slaves read scriptures where you literally had to cut out part of the gospel in yeah. order to, to make this, this gospel work. Right. So it doesn't. And we need to put it back and say, Hey, this is wrong. Um, and, and it's a mistake made that, that our society, I didn't directly do it, but I can say that out of empathy and, and for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of my fellow man to say, there's still so much work to be done, and me not being active in it is not helping. You know, and, and, and me having to bear the burden of brothers and sisters is the gospel itself. Yeah. So to try to get rid of that burden and say, "Oh, it's not on me. I'm not responsible," is is to me just a reflection. And, and, and I've not always been the best there, but I'm coming to that place where I, I'd rather I don't want to be a moderate for what's right, whether it's this or something else. I, I want to be solely on that side. Yeah, that's so. true, man. It's good stuff. We just passed MLK. Every time we get to MLK weekend, what I think of is the ski trips that we used to take. Those are, used pres- to be the week- those are President's Day. Those are President's Day, though. That yeah. wasn't MLK. Yeah. I don't know why I thought of that, but there was always always a long weekend. Maybe I did one on, on MLK, but it was usually President's Day. I want to say we did one on MLK one day. And they were called? Carpe Zoe. Carpe Zoe. Which, which is Sea's Life. Well, it was right? a horrible mix of Latin and Greek, but I did it on purpose. Man, you really got something yeah. going on there. Yeah, Carp- just you twisted the words. I did to fit to your agenda. I, yeah, it just sounded cool to me. So yeah, but sees yeah sees life. Carpe Zoe sounds like a CCM band from the nineties too. It really, really does. We are Carpe Zoe. <laughs> Hope you enjoy our new direction. Yeah, you remember though how we started naming each yeah. trip? This was Carpe Zoe two, the ski the sequel. Yeah, Carpe Zoe three. This time it's personal because yeah, we would have service. It would be personal. Yeah. Carpe Zoe 4. Golly, I wonder if I have those, Johnny. A new hope. <laughs> Wait. I bet you that's all not in my folders anymore. It's going to be oh. on a hard drive somewhere. Yeah. But I would like to know because we went to like seven or eight. Like, I remember I went on a couple and I remember I was bigger then. And I remember <laughs> I know I look like I have the body for a skier, but no. <laughs> I had a hard time with the skiing, and so I went tubing. There was, like, a tubing at one place we went. This was, like, North Carolina or somewhere that we yeah. went. So I get on this tube thing, and there's, like, an area at the bottom where, hey, there's, like, a, a landing area where this will stop the tube. <laughs> then there's fence, yeah, chain-link fence behind that. So we get to the bottom of the hill. I remember uh, Elizabeth Evans at the time was down at the bottom of the hill. She had just gone down. She's, like, waiting <laughs> to, to, like help stop me <laughs> i come down and we she did not only did not stop me somehow i headbutted her oh my gosh <laughs> probably gave her a concussion she was never the same john it is that's I'm, youth leadership I'm right still there very grateful out of all the because the, we have some harrowing stories that's true like ski trips with kids you're lucky we didn't have acls and broken legs and stuff like it's because none of us really the, know how to ski right the odds are yeah Usually it's the kids that pick it up so quick that they're they fearless. Did. One week, one year, I just took them. It's the adults that go, you know, down a ravine. Yeah, I took them one year, and we all kind of learned that year. Yeah. By the second I, day, we were kind of. I can't say we. I was among the we, and we <laughs> did not learn. My wife never learned either. I fell over people in line. <laughs> oh yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then and then by like the next year, all the guys who had learned to ski the year before were like snowboarding. Right, they want to go to the next level. I never did it. I never snowboarded, but yeah. um, but I loved skiing. The best was I used to go uh, speak at Greg Canada's ski retreat in uh, Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Yeah, Laura and I would go. I would sometimes take some kids, uh, you know, with me. And uh, and I was off because it was over this weekend. I think maybe it was this weekend. Yeah, maybe so that's I'd, what I'm thinking of. I take the Sunday off, you know. And uh, I remember they had night skiing there, and I had no responsibilities except to speak. So it that's was like the dream, that. right? Well, I liked it, but yes, I was I was I had so much responsibility over kids at that point. Yeah. That yes, it was nice to have that you know moment. You're not driving the bus, right? I just I would speak, and and that that probably feeds your ego. I enjoyed that. I enjoy doing that. You know, and and so. But I would go out and I would wear the ski mask yeah. and I had headphones and so they didn't even know who I was. Yeah. And, you know, I'd hang out with the kids for a bit and I would just get on and ski for a few hours and I would take my headphones out sometimes, just silence, the only guy on the slope sometimes, no one, you, it was just like. John, I think they were closed and you I mean, were, if you're the only guy up there. Those guys with the with the red jackets were chasing you. Waving you, you down. Yeah. You know. Or, hey guys, they're just waving and I just keep going, you know. <laughs> But it was, I just loved, I loved night skiing. That was I think fun. it's fascinating that there's a winter sport called the biathlon where you ski cross country and then shoot a gun. Yeah. And so I used to say that, like, if you see a guy with a ski mask and a gun, that's a bank robber. If he's got skis and the ski mask and a gun, that's a winter Olympian. <laughs> he's that an is, Olympian, yeah. yeah. Make, check for you the ski. You should thank him for his service always, to your country. Ch- always check for the skis. Yeah. <laughs> So if you try to rob a bank, you just make sure you wear skis and you're not going to, they'll be like, How oh, he's, someone at the Olympic, training. At Winter Olympics not made a commercial where the biathletes rob a bank. Like, there that used is to be, a perfect, I know. Oh my gosh. I remember Norm McDonald used to talk about that, about how like these com- combining like the triathlon, you ride a bike a hundred miles and you do this and you swim. It's like, I want to see a guy like run 10 miles and then fish. <laughs> <laughs> just combine the weirdest, but you really can't get much weirder than skiing and shooting a gun. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, a lot can go wrong. You're slipping around. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. Did it come out? Are you out? shooting at a disc like they throw the clay things up? I wonder if it came out of the hunting world or the military world. Yeah, it's a good. Someone one. right now is yelling. Someone's at, screaming, yeah. going, "Well, I did this I'm in a biathlete. boot camp. Yeah. I'm a biathlete." <laughs> if you're a biathlete and you're listening, thanks so much for. Boy, yeah. yeah, hopefully you represented us well. You should get your friends to ski right on over to talk about that at the podcast. We need to go skiing. To, I think I need to learn. This is... Wow. This is not I'm the 40, age you go learn. I'm 45. You're, this is the age that you ruined your life. Like, yeah. That you, and you're then I doing tore both okay. Achilles at once. See previous episodes about buying a motorcycle. Like, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, But yes, I'll do I'm it. I'm thinking about selling it again, the motorcycle. Have you even ridden it? Yeah, I rode it for like two months this last, before it got cold. Yeah. And now I'm already thinking like, should I cut my losses? No, oh, man. I'm very pensive. Yeah. People aren't, people are distracted on the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I'm agree. distracted. I agree. It's hard to text yeah. and drive, you know. It is. It shouldn't be. <laughs> well, uh, listener, we appreciate you spending some time with us. It's been a it's been a fun day. It's been a fun day. And uh we are grateful for those of you who leave us comments and shares and uh we're still seeking out those topics you want. Uh you gotta just send us messages. That, how do you know these aren't the topics somebody wanted to talk about? Maybe that's what we did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I don't know. You can also go to Patreon, support us there if you'd like to. You're looking for that new year moment to do something good yeah this is this help is, a fellow artesian while you're waiting on one of those things you can come do this with us we're not artesian artisan artesian like really it's the water it's like a kind of water artesian water we're gonna it's like an artesian podcast it's, it's an like artisanal bubbles podcast up from the <laughs> <laughs> i saw that at like a restaurant in uh nashville it's when you know you're in like a nashville hipster restaurant it's when like all of the ingredients are normal and then there's one weird thing it'll be like you know, like, oh, I want, I'll have this burger. It's got bacon, uh, locally sourced cheese. Okay, I like cheese. Uh, mango chutney. Uh, <laughs> right. What? Fig jam. What? <laughs> I'll try it, but can you hold the fig jam? Yeah. Just hold the fig jam. I love all that stuff, though. Artisanal pumpkin. They put artisanal before everything. <laughs> like, okay, somebody crafted this pumpkin? Is that yeah. what I'm to believe? These pumpkins were grown from the soil. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, interesting. Oh, man, yeah. I didn't know. Tomatoes came out. Well, I like the local beef, too. Like, everybody's having a burger. Hey, can you show me where these cows were killed? <laughs> Were these cows killing this neighborhood? Do you know what his name was? They take you out. There's a chalk outline. It's wonderful. Did any children love him before he was slaughtered? Can I know the name? Yeah. Well, you know our names, though, listener. (laughs) (laughs) And you can go to our social media uh, 
uh, many social media places if you want to. Yeah, please do help that. Help Johnny keep rebuilding his Instagram life. Uh, Johnny has nothing else but Instagram. Like a phoenix from the ashes this I'm is, rising. He's going to find his self-worth. Like an insta-phoenix. Yeah, so help the man rise, if you will. But hey, share it and uh, tell your friends about it. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next time. We'll talk about that. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of Million Praying Moms, and I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's Word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's Word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.